It was just mm-hmm. a fear of get, being a guinea pig. That's always the word. And so I really want to work through my organization to change that thought. So we can have a different response to clinical trials. Hello, hello. Welcome to Pharma Sessions, where pharma professionals can hear from and learn from each other. This episode is the second in my series of conversations about clinical trial diversity. The first episode was with the former pharma executive turned clinical trial consultant. And in this episode, we share a different, more community-oriented perspective. Renarda Jones is a clinical trial professional with over 20 years experience in clinical research, mainly in cancer and Alzheimer's disease research. Starting as a research assistant, working her way up to study coordinator and clinical research associate, Renarda had the opportunity to work with underrepresented and underserved communities, specifically the Black community. Personally witnessing inequalities regarding clinical trials prompted Renarda to start Diverse Research Now in 2020. Diverse Research Now is working at a community level to ensure that underrepresented and underserved communities get access to highly qualified medical professionals and frequent medical care, which is one of the benefits to enrolling in a clinical trial. There's a lot of learning here for people in pharma, so let's dive in. Hello, Renarda. How are you today? Hi, I'm good, Jonathan. Thank you for this. Absolutely. So I'm here in Philadelphia, Renarda Jones. My guest today is uh, dealing with a, what passes for a cold snap in San Diego, where it's probably you know, whether <laughs> yes. the rest of us would kill for it. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, welcome. <laughs> so I want to just get right into it because you have a really interesting background where you spent a long time in clinical research. Yes. And still, it sounds looks like you still maintain a, a foot there, but you also have uh, a different company, Diverse Research, focused on clinical trial diversity. So, can you just share some of your background and your journey? Sure. So, yes, I have been a clinical research professional for twenty years or so. Um, I started my work in Chicago. I'm from Chicago, um, Air Rush University, and there I work um, in Alzheimer's disease research. And so, most of most of the um, my work I have done has been in Alzheimer's disease research, but I've also worked in cancer, liver disease, um, medical device research. So I have a lot of different um, backgrounds in, in research. So I've also had the, in, while in Chicago, I had the opportunity to work in racial and ethnic uh, minority communities specifically the Black community, which, of course, I'm a part of, um, while I was in Chicago. And there is where I had a real good chance to see personally the health inequities that were happening in clinical trials. So I would go out into the community a lot. Um, We had a lot of meetings and talks in the community. Um, But a lot of the community members were very receptive to um, observational studies. But when we would talk about clinical trials, that's when they would kind of hesitate. Um, and of course, it's justified hesitation um, because of our history. Um, but that's when I saw the real importance for educating the community 
um, informing them about how clinical trials work, the safeguards, all the things, the reasons why it's safe now. And mm-hmm. so that's why I started Diverse Research Now um, in 2020. Um, just to, I want to dedicate my time to supporting my community and understanding why diversity is important in clinical trials. So if we could go back mm-hmm. to, so you're in Chicago mm-hmm. and at that time you're working on Alzheimer's research or what are, what are you working yep. on? Yep. Doing uh, memory assessments. Okay. So yep. you're, and you're actually, as part of that, you're in the, in the community yes. having conversations and were you seeing people that were potentially candidates for trials? Yeah. Well, you you know, Alzheimer's disease is um, uh, in the Black community. It's one of the diseases that are kind of um, number one in uh, in that community, Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. disease. So yes, uh, we always talked to, we were in that community because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there were people that were theoretically candidates, but when you would talk to them, was it, was it, were they specifically referencing historical, uh, you know, Tuskegee or things like that? Or was yeah. it just a general distrust of what you want me to do experimental medication on my ailing parent or both? both. Yeah. So, you know, Tuskegee would come up very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they just, it's just a fear. It was just mm-hmm. a fear of get, being a guinea pig. That's always the word, like the guinea yeah. pig, you know? Um, and so I really want to work um, through my organization um, to change that thought. Mm-hmm. So they can, so we can have a different response to clinical trials right. because yeah. there are many benefits. Yeah. And what's really I've heard this from a number of people. So as we mentioned, as we were kind of chatting before recording, I did a, a, a session with somebody on clinical trial diversity who's working at Aquinate. And I have another one uh, planned with somebody who's it, within a big pharma company. And this idea of, yeah, really bad stuff happened historically, but pharma, we can't really, you certainly can't go back in time and, and change that. And you can't use it as an excuse on not to engage with whole populations of people. Right? Yeah. Yes. But you need to, so how do you, how, are you seeing companies directly addressing that? Or is it sort of like, we're just going to, we just need to talk about our science and where <laughs> it might be important for you to, you know, understand that and why it still might be worthwhile to participate. I, I think I see it addressed a lot in papers, right? But I mm-hmm. don't think it's being addressed out in the community. Um, so yeah, I think that's the way to go, which is why diverse research now is going to focus on educating the community and addressing those fears. Yeah. One of the things that you had brought up was, I think you used, uh, described a place for people to speak that's kind of away from researchers and have, have a safe space, like a place where they can talk and share these whatever questions they may have, because there are a lot of legitimate questions if you're trying something that's not yet on the market on your body. Um, can you talk more about that approach and why that yeah. is helpful and from a grassroots perspective? Mm-hmm. So my from my experience when I was in the community, um, I, I would go out in the community. I looked like the people that I was talking to, which you can you can read in a lot of the papers that this is important, right? That that the um, they want to see people that look like them. So 
they were very comfortable with me. And so I would get a lot of questions that they would not be comfortable with asking the doctors and the staff in the clinic. Um, so um, because of <clears throat> because of that, um, I think it's important to give that safe space to have that private setting where families and participants are comfortable with asking whatever question they might have in mind. They Because sometimes when you're in that clinic and you're around these prestigious doctors, you might, you don't want them to think you're silly or like it's a bad question, right? Um, and so to take away that, that feeling and get the bias out of there in the out of the room um i think it's important to like kind of take the participants the um and their families away from that setting so we can really get down deep into like what's the issues like help let me help you address them and are these conversations you're having with individual sets of family members or are these kind of group uh, you know, where a bunch of families would be together kind of all talking about this stuff. So so we have a safe space program where it's just individual families and they're mm-hmm. in the participant or, or you know, whoever's in the study and their support system. That mm-hmm. will be a private one. But then I'm also having um, uh, community meetings mm-hmm. where I'm educating the community and informing them about the basis of clinical trials. So that's also being done publicly and in the community. And how are those going? What What's the response like when you go out and, and talk with the community now? And how is that different from where what it might've been back when you were in Chicago all those years ago? You know, <laughs> they, they come out and they listen and they ask their questions and they're intrigued. Mm-hmm. They want to know mm-hmm. about clinical trials. I, I think that it just takes time. They want mm-hmm. someone that is going to serve them, right? These are underserved populations. Um, and so they they appreciate someone coming out, serving them. Yeah. What from, so most of the people that listen to this podcast mm-hmm. are in pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, a two-part question. One is, what do you think they're doing well now that they might not have been doing before? And where do you think there are still areas for improvement? Mm-hmm. I think that what's being done well now is that we're talking about it more um, mm-hmm. in the community. So that is actually really good because um, the thing is, is I'm not sure how much is reaching the community. I think it's an attempt, right, to, but I think it is going to take some people to get in there, get in the community and really normalize the conversation. That's what we need to do. We need to mm-hmm. normalize the conversation. So when things come up in people's lives in their healthcare journey, they can clinical trials can be one of the number one thoughts mm-hmm. um, in, in communities of color. And I don't think it is now. So do you think, because a lot of times what we see or at least what I've seen, and I don't know if this is comprehensive, but it's like the pharma companies have very clear um, plans from a medical perspective of how you're going to engage with doctors or how you're going to recruit trial sites. Um, I think a lot of times you're looking at where was I able to successfully recruit patients in the past and the economics of that. And we know, I think the diversity numbers are... Uh, in no way close to reflecting like 
general population levels, right? And they're not actually significantly improving. In fact, in some in some cases, they're they're getting worse. So, I th- my personal opinion is that I think it's really good that the um, Biden administration pa- included this yes. legislation that essentially says you sort of have to at yes. at this point, right? So that should make a difference. But so the companies, I'm sure, will want to adhere to that. But you can't just do that by going to the same trial sites, for example, as you were before. This is true. You're going to have to venture out into new areas. Yeah. New, um, there needs to be some novel ideas, you know, presented. And when you were talking about engaging the community, I'm assuming you're talking about actual you know, non-medical professionals. But do you, do you see it? Do you think companies should be prioritizing that? over the HCP or equally, or you just, you just need more active plans for, for both as far as who they're engaging now? I think, I think all around it needs to be improved. Um, activity needs to just rise in the community, informing them about mm-hmm. clinical trials. And I mean, and when I say informing them, I mean, starting from the very beginning, like yeah, tell me what you mean. So, so I mean, telling them why there's a problem. So I think you have to tell the whole story, right? People can kind of uh, um, resonate with a story, right? Mm -hmm. So the story is that there's a, there's the lack of diversity in clinical trials, right? Mm -hmm. The community needs to know that. Mm -hmm. They need to know why it's a problem. It's Mm -hmm. a problem because there are situations where the drugs are coming to market that might not work um, well in communities of color or, you know, so this is a problem, right? Right. Um, and then they need to, so then you move on into teaching them the basis of clinical trials, addressing the fears, teaching them what clinical trials are. I don't, I don't think it's like common knowledge, in our communities, what clinical trials are, how they work, the different phases, like all of that, like everything that goes into um, a clinical trial, they need to know. And I think once they know, they could get more comfortable with the process. Mm -hmm. When you know what's going on, you can be more comfortable with that process. So then you have to tell them how to get involved. Mm-hmm. And even when to get involved, that's mm-hmm. a big one. Um, uh, I think we were talking before about um, if if someone has cancer or they get a new cancer diagnosis. Um, in other communities, it might be the first thought to go to a clinical trial. But right. I think in communities of color, that's not the first thought, you know, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it should be. Right. Um, and I think it, it would be helpful. But then also they need to know that there's other trials out there, not just for the big diseases like cancer and Alzheimer's disease, but there's so many different trials out there that could probably help you with any ailment that you have. So mm. that they just need the, the whole story. <laughs> right. Right. It is. It's really interesting when you put it like that, because... Yeah. Yeah, I could see for if you have cancer, if you have Alzheimer's or something Mm -hmm. terrible where Mm -hmm. the downside risk 
isn't as bad as not participating because you already have this, this awful condition. But if it's something else, like I was invited recently, I don't even know how to participate in a trial uh, for like a Lyme's vaccine. Um, <laughs> it, I wanted to do it, but then I got scared at the last minute. So I feel, <laughs> I feel bad about this in, in the context. So I didn't, I didn't do it, um, but I had the option. Um, and I don't even know how that, how that got to me. It was just like general outreach yeah. from an email list or something. And I'm sure there's stuff like that happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And at some point it must've been an active decision to either use companies that can get in front of people of, of certain people or whatever, but somehow that got, got to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I hear from you is that, that, like that, that's just not happening ac- across the board. I, I don't think it's happening. Not yeah. when you get real deep in the <laughs> real deep in the community. And that's where we need to go. I think we um there's a lot of selection bias going on. Um mm-hmm. where you're selecting when you do see minorities in, in in clinical trials, they're from a certain group of um economic economic status, right? Mm-hmm. Um but we need to go a little further. Yeah. Let's go a little further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's some, it's, it's hard because it's such a big system, right? But when you talk about underserved communities, I always get back to the idea of like, most people I would think wouldn't, if you have a bad experience with the healthcare system, like that adds up over time, yes. right? Yeah. And if you delay care because you don't want to pay your copay or you can't afford a medication, that's all saying, hey, this is not a system that's meant to, to work for me. Um, so it seems like to, to reach those communities, you really do need to do a lot of trust rebuilding, even though, oh my even, goodness. you know, in that general. is the key. We have mm-hmm. to build this trust. And I just keep saying this, but it is going to take some time yeah. because that's what what's required when building trust. It yeah. will take some time, um, but it's worth it. Um, to help the whole population. Um, so it's, it's definitely worth it. And are there others out? I know there are others out there working at the community level, but is there some type of, is there any organization of, of groups or companies like you have with Diverse Research or um, some, of, some of the other ones out there where they're communicating and they're coordinating efforts or anything like that or is it really extremely grassroots where it's it's sort of you're kind of figuring out as you're going yeah i'm figuring out as i'm going because a lot of the people that are out there are from the clinics like you know they're 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 from like the cro's or the the sponsor you know they they're out there in the community i don't know of any nonprofits out there Mm -hmm. like mine Mm-hmm. Um, that's out there, um, at least not in the, on the West Coast. I know mm-hmm. that there's a lot going on on the East Coast, um, a lot going on in the Midwest, South, but mm-hmm. the West Coast, I think, is really lacking. So I'm hoping to fill that space. Hmm. Very nice. So mm-hmm. along those lines, if you had, and you do, <laughs> you have the mic in front of you, right? So if you had a, a request uh, from pharma any of the medical people or clinical people that may be listening, not to put you on the spot, but do you have any, any requests that you would like to ask them or get them to think about? Yeah. I, I think that, um, I always say 
this is my my famous quote. <laughs> um, good science is inclusive science. So I think that if we keep that in mind and we just keep that word inclusive in our minds when we're doing our science, then that will be important. Um, and including of uh, inclusive comes with a lot of stuff. And yeah. it's really about again informing the community that the communities that are underserved and underrepresented, it's about informing them about the whole the whole process. Yes. Of clinical trials. So <laughs> all right. Good science is inclusive science. Honestly, that seems like a great place to leave it. So I just want to say thank you for coming. It was a really uh, good conversation and I hope helpful yes. conversation to hear. Thank you so much, Jonathan. <laughs> My pleasure. Have a good one. You too.